All right, we're back. Rogue Table Talks, number 102, 102. We're coming to the end of the uh, series on the ministry of Jesus. And uh, we're, you know, we're going to be starting something different. Uh, but we're going to be talking about the return of Jesus. Uh, and um, just, you know, death, resurrection, ministry now, and then return. And, you know, the end of this part of the story, if you will. Um, and I kind of want to start with... Um, the like you're you're old enough to remember like hal Lindsay, right jad and the late great planet earth or is that too it's a little i think i was it was 80s that might have actually even been 70s i mean yeah, it, I was but the fascination I was lasted longer i mean that book was popular for a long time and it was just it was it was popular beyond the church even in the 70s and and 80s um but there's that there's you know of course the whole left behind series of books and then those multi-million dollar industry yeah it right the left behind military industrial complex um right and so it's there's a cultural fascination there was a cultural fascination even beyond the church uh, you know, decades ago, and and there's a cultural fascination in the church, and I guess why do you think that is? What's what is going on with? Um, and I don't think there's a simple one. I think there's probably a lot of different things going on, but uh, even now, I mean, obviously, what you ask any group of a hundred church members, hey, what should we teach on next? 10 of them will probably say revelation or end times or something, right? It's really yeah. it's sort of, it's sort of sort of a running joke among, I mean, it's just something that people are super interested in, which isn't bad, but I don't know. What is it? You know, what is that about? I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I wonder if sometimes it's about, I, I'm trying to think of the history, uh, historical theology and, how things have progressed um, in the church and the conversations that they deemed important. And I'm, I'm trying to wonder if pre-enlightenment uh, and pre-both world wars, there was less conversation about what, is, what does this all mean about the end? And let's try to figure out, you know, when the rapture is and how long, it, you know, uh, the millennium the is and, and yeah. the tribulation. I think there was a, a, a general widespread assumption that when the epistles talk about um, the last days, the assumption was that started with Jesus. And then you have the um, Darby and the dispensational movement in the 1900s that started to kind of shift this, that and talk about, no, 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 the last days are yet to come. And now there's such a thing called a rapture. And then we need to figure out all of these things. And it, it almost is a fascination with um, imagination, excitement, something kind of tantalizing, but uh, dare I say, potentially a distraction from mm-hmm. 
what we what we're actually called to start do to be doing right now towards that end. Mm. Yeah, I think that's right. There's a lot there. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah there's, sorry. A, there's a cultural uh, trend in that direction. Uh, I do think there's a the historical theological trend that leads in that direction as well. Uh, and I do think it probably serves as a, in a sense, a safe distraction from the duties, the responsibilities, the weight of carrying the image of Christ and denying myself and all, you know, being about the work of the kingdom now, um, there is a bit of a distraction level uh, to that. I think you're right. Because um, I do think we, you know, we talked about, you know, there's a lot of zombie stuff. There's a lot of apocalyptic uh, emphasis in our popular culture now. And that says something about people don't necessarily think the story is going well, you know, and how is yeah, the story going to end? That part was my kind of my point with the wars. Like, it's getting worse. Yeah. Therefore, this must mean something. Therefore, yeah. this must mean this. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, you said, you mentioned Darby and the dispensationalists. Uh, and it's, it is interesting to think about that, that dispensational view, which we probably should take a moment and talk about that view, um, that scripture is divided up into dispensations of time and that God, there's a, there's sort of an essential difference in how God deals with people according to what dispensation they're in or we're in. Uh, and that that view, which leads to the seven year tribulation period is really about Israel. The church has to be gone. Uh, so on and so on is, uh, it's not, it wasn't very theologically prominent at all until, you know, 1905 or something like that. Mm -hmm. um, yep. And it was partly a reaction to, hey, things are bad in the church, you know, that this is, that this is sort of uh, one of the reactions to that, uh, the, the reality that the church was disappointing, you know, the reality of the church was disappointing. Um, like, it can't be this. Um, and but it became super popular pretty quickly in Britain and the U.S. And Dallas Seminary was formed, essentially, uh, at least when it was formed. Um, it does still hold the dispensational theology, but I think all of that's been softened somewhat, and and sort of there's a lot more right. overlap, right? Uh, but even uh, you know Schofield Reference Bible, which is very dispensational, all of the um, the New Testament and Psalms, uh, you know, uh, that became very popular. Part of that came out of, well, the Old Testament was a different dispensation. It doesn't have that much to say to us, right? A absolutely. The Old Testament was a different dispensation. Here's why it makes a difference for kind of our view of the return of Jesus. The Old Testament was a different dispensation. So that means God worked that way and God revealed himself that way. He's the same God, but it's a different time mm -hmm. period. So grace, salvation even looks differently. Um, I think dispensational viewpoint, a strict dispensational viewpoint would be salvation now is by grace, but it always wasn't necessarily right. clearly law. Right. Um, but even the ministry of Jesus, that was a different dispensation. That was a different dispensation, right. And so now we're in the church, the, the age of the church, church dispensation. And this is where now we have to divide another dispensation up for in times. Mm -hmm. And so then if you have all these clear cut, uh, demarcations of time and the way God works and all this stuff. Now you're going to have this other uh, dispensation 
And so then you have to start to put prophecy, like end times prophecy, not in today or not even in, uh, you you know, when the early church uh, was formed, but in very far into the future. And this thousand year reign is very far into the future. And it just it, it pushes most of those things ahead. And, and, and the, the trouble for me, the trouble with that is, but John was writing to the church at that time. It doesn't mean he's not saying anything about the future, but he definitely was writing to them for them about revelation, mm-hmm. about how they're supposed to live with right. within right. Rome right. and all of these things. Right. Yeah. So neither one of us are dispensationalists. Uh, even though I don't think it's not like it's a heresy, it's sure. a theological view that's it's a framework you know, for looking. It's a framework for looking at interpret the Bible that neither one of us really hold. It's more, uh, you know, that we're this one story that we're in, and uh, you know, different things make sense according to what part of the story we're in. So obviously, things are different when there's a king, a, you know, King David, and so on, and and they're sacrificing lambs. But all of that was part of a story that pointed to this. But basically. Paul makes pretty clear in Galatians and elsewhere that people were always saved by faith in what God said. Uh, so, uh, yep. so um, that impacts how we view the end times, uh, you know, in some ways or another, and even the emphasis, as you said, on the end times, and what's part of what plays into the emphasis it becomes very important. Your view of the end times becomes very important for how you view all of all of scripture if you're in that in that school. And a lot of the church, if if you're an older, you know, evangelical or grew up in a Baptist, that was sort of in the water for a long time, and that probably did influence. Um, so I do think, uh, and all of that made it, it, it sort of made it uh, tribal in a sense. Like we are these sort of people. Uh, that right, rightly divide the word of truth is a phrase that comes, that's an old phrase, right, that comes from the church. And that's sort of what it meant. It meant rightly put things in their right dispensation. Um, yep. and, and so, um, and I would say, you know, as you think about Revelation in particular, uh, I've always found there's far more, Revelation is a book that's written in a way that is hard to interpret. Okay, that's um, hopefully that's not a controversial statement uh, for our listeners. Uh, but a lot of what Jesus says, te- Jesus teaches about the end times, his end time teaching in Daniel, his end time teaching in the epistles, that all of that form a context for how we can understand Revelation and how we can understand the end times. Uh, and as we're talking about the ministry of Jesus, uh, we're, let's look at, you know, Matthew 24, 25, there's a lot of teaching about the time of the end. You know, the, he's, it's the final week, and the apostles say, you know, he mentions, hey, there's there's the temple. You know, I tell you, a day is coming when not one stone will be on another. That You know, the whole temple will come down. And they t- say, when will this be? And what will be, you know, what will be the time of the end like? And there's a long uh, series of teachings in, in that general uh, realm. And so at the end of Matthew 24, starting in verse 36, he says, but concerning that day and hour, no one knows. Not, not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son, but the Father only. For as we as were the days of Noah, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. For as in those days before the flood they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day when Noah entered the ark, and they were unaware until the flood came and swept them all away, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. 
Then two men will be in the field, one will be taken and one left. Two men will be grinding at the mill, one will be taken and one left. Therefore stay awake, for you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. But know this, that if the master of the house had known in, in what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and would not have let his house be broken into. Therefore, you also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Uh, and this is a consistent theme of, of Jesus. So what, what is Jesus saying about the return, his return here? Yeah. Let me say something, and then can I have some fun with this? Yeah. Okay. So what I think what he's saying is somehow in the mystery of Trinity and this is mind boggling for us because it's like, well, hold on a second. If there's three in right. one, how do they not, how would one not know the other's right. thoughts? Right. Or one not know the other's plan? Right. Uh, I, I mean, we so we have to say something about mystery there. Mystery. Um, right. Mystery. But he does say the Son of Man doesn't know. Only the Father. Not it. No, not, not the angels. Uh, not the Son of Man. And uh, so there's no way we're going to know that. Right. I think that's one of the implications. You're not figuring this out. Right. Which, which is just kind of funny. Cause I think whenever someone stands up and says, Jesus is coming back in 2020 or 1970 yeah. or whenever, it's like, did you miss the passage? Yeah. Did you miss this, this one here that says Jesus doesn't know? Jesus yeah. doesn't know, but the father told me. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he might know now it's hard to say, but right. What, Cause is he talking is about that? Yeah, I mean, what is, is very clear about? is you will not know, you, yeah. you know, the son of man is coming at an hour you do not expect, for you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. I mean, over and over again, he says this, uh, and yet we're fascinated with knowing when it is. Yeah. Right? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I, I think, yeah, and to your point, is he talking about when his ministry was on the earth and he he wouldn't know right uh, because he chose to limit himself but does he right. know now I mean, that's very plausible to 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 uh, ease that tension yeah he may to know me, now i'm we know he we may know, know that right and, and the the point is if you if you don't know and god in his infinite wisdom has chosen it's not a good thing for you to know then uh this is where calvin maybe too harshly kind of condemns curiosity he's like well then you have no reason for curiosity around that what you have mm -hmm. is work you have work to do there's something to do um but yeah it's so with this in mind it's all speculation and conjecture it's right. like we don't know so right. when's right. dad coming back i don't know but he told us he gave us a list of chores so why don't we right. Right. There's stuff to do. And that's what he's saying. So be ready. And we can talk more of that but as we go along. Because uh, you don't know when he's coming. Um, and the, you know, there's a lot of things that we know about the time of the end mm -hmm. uh, that are fairly clear. However one interprets, you know, even however one interprets Revelation that, you know, that there will be, it seems like Paul talked, you know, there'll be an antichrist of some sort. There will be a time of tribulation. Jesus talks about that and Paul does. Um, you know, rev a bunch of revelation is about these series of God's wrath, you know, being poured out, right? The, the yeah. seals and the, 
you know, the bowls of wrath. I mean, so whatever that means, God's wrath is being poured out on, you know, uh, on the world in some, uh, in some fashion. Uh, you know, the, so, you know, wars, rumors of wars, things like this. We all know, we know all of this. And so we know, and we know that the Lord will return, be seated on his throne, the rights will be wronged, uh, you know, uh, all of that will take place. There's a lot that we do know. We just don't know when. And Jesus that's, is and telling I, us we're not going to know when. And yet that's right. the thing we, we focus on. We don't know when, um, but there are signs and seasons and indications. And, and all that's, here's the thing. Here's how I would say, read the book of Revelation. Absolutely. Um, there's a promise at the end of it. It's, it's a gift mm-hmm. to us. Um, read it, study it. What, be confident in what we can know. Jesus is returning. He will be victorious. Um, there will be hard times. Mm-hmm. These yep. things we can know. Yep. And then uh, if you're going to teach on it or do a study on it, at least survey all the different, survey different viewpoints. Historically, right. there's three, four different viewpoints uh, of the millennial, of the, of the um, millennial reign, of the tribulation. Uh, you know, what, what does this mean? And then, you know, you know, find, find one, but don't die for it just because we don't know. There's a reason there's right. three to four yeah. different solid ones. Right. And then, then I think this will get you into this next point that you're looking at. I love this passage because, and I, I want to upset the apple cart intentionally here, because when it, this passage has often been taught to say, this is what the rapture's like. You see, this is what the rapture's right. like. Look, two will be working, one will be taken. One will be raptured. And one right. will be raptured. That's the implication. Right. One will be taken away. Yeah. The only the only challenge textually with that is in verse 37, it says, as were in the days of Noah. So he goes back to the days of Noah. So this is the context for this next teaching. And in the days of Noah, what happened? Who who remained behind and who was taken away? It was Noah and his family. Yeah, one could argue behind. Noah and his family were remained and the others were taken by the flood. And the others judgment. were taken in judgment. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's so, so it's actually the, would implicate the opposite of the, of the rapture. It would be those who were left behind, uh, weren't, you know, weren't in the judgment mm-hmm. and those right. who were taken away, uh, right. if it's similar to the days of Noah, right. Similar yes. to the days of Noah. So yes. that means that would again, lead us to think there's something here on this earth. There's some continuity. Yeah. Right, that the earth is not completely destroyed. Okay, so let's take a minute or two and, you know, ridiculously fast survey through what some of these views are and some of these words that people hear. So some of the views of the end time are delineated by people's views of the millennium, right? There's a five, there's a, there's one, one verse, two verses in in Revelation that talks about a millennium, a thousand year reign. Uh, And so there is a premillennial view an amillennial view and a postmillennial view uh, that the premillennial view is we are premillennium right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the millennium is in our it future. It hasn't happened yet. hasn't happened yet. Uh, we will, uh, you know, the end will come. We will, there will be some sort of rapture, some sort of, some of, uh, a dividing of God's people from that are not God's people. The typical premillennial view involves us, the church leaving the earth, tribulation on the earth, and then a re, you know, appearance 
thousand-year reign with Jesus is on the throne. The premillennial view. And then Satan is overthrown after the thousand years. And then th Satan is overthrown after a thousand years. Correct. The final battle is after the millennium uh, right. in that view. And that's sort of the dispensational pop. You know, that's a dispensational view. Um, but you don't have to be dispensational to be premillennial. That, you right. know, you, you can still think the millennium is in the future. Amillennial, it, the amillennial view is that, in a sense, the thousand-year reign is happening now. Jesus left the earth and went and is now sitting on the throne. Thousand years is, of course, metaphoric, meaning a long time. Mm -hmm. So it's not a literal thousand years. Jesus is now reigning. And then when he comes, he will establish new heaven and the new earth. There won't be like a two-stage thing. The judgment, all, everything happens at once in the millennial view, right? The post-millennial view is that we are, the job of the church is to continue to improve the world. In a sense, we usher in this golden age of millennium mm -hmm. on the earth, and then Jesus yeah. returns, right? Yeah, um, which is, I think it's similar in the sense to Amil, which is, in some ways, we're in the millennium, but we're not, it's not yet complete. Right. I think. Yeah. And things should, you know, the church works to improve things. And in a yeah, sense, when things spread, are good enough, almost. Be victorious. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, and so there's pre-millennial, amillennial, post-millennial. Mm -hmm. um, and then there is, in terms of the tribulation, there's three different views in terms of the seven-year tribulation period, which... There's a reference in Daniel to the 77s of God's people. One of them is still outstanding. It's the seven-year period. There's a pre-tribulational rapture view that the next thing that happens is the church is raptured, and then the tribulation starts. Um, there's a view, uh, a mid-tribulational rapture, that the tribulation starts at some point before God's wrath is fully poured out. The church is then taken away. Uh, sort of like echoing the Exodus plagues, where the first four plagues, I think, happen actually to Israel also. They experience them also. Mm -hmm. um, and then there's a post-tribulational rapture, and where the church is here for the whole tribulation. And, so, and then there's just various combinations of those things, right? And, of course, there's various combinations because nowhere does, is, it, is the timeline laid out. Mm -hmm. and explained fully so you'll hear you know you'll hear mid-trib or i'm sorry uh yeah mid-tribulation pre-mill or pre-trib pre-mill or whatever you'll hear all these different combinations uh and it gets and it gets messy it's a little <laughs> yeah it's a little silly it's a little silly spending time uh, on it and it does seem like as Jesus says in this passage, the, the timeline is not laid out for us for a reason. Like we don't, in order to do what we are called to do now, we don't necessarily need to know all of that, right? And one of the things I always think of is like, what would I have thought? Let's say I'm a Christian in Germany in 1937. What am I thinking? Am I thinking, right. my gosh, I, I'm looking at the Antichrist right now. Right. right. Uh, and how many other times in history has there been that sort of, uh, I think this is it. And of course, you know, Hitler, let's face it, you know, he, he, <laughs> he tried to take over the world. 
tried to install a thousand-year reign and was killing Jews. That sounds pretty... Sounds very antichrist. Yeah, (laughs) that sounds very antichrist. And yet he wasn't the antichrist uh, in that sense. So I just think this passage, other passages seem to discourage me from trying to guess when it is. Like, don't worry so much about the when. And yet we... We t- <laughs> we seem to worry about the when, almost, probably as a distraction, as you said, right? Um, anything to add on all those three, uh, or, or all those views, combination of those six things? The, the only thing I would just, I think I said it in a different way, is, you know, I've, I've talked to people, and talked to people that I are, I'm close with, and this is not a, up for discussion. It's so certain. There's a certainty there. Yeah. yeah. There's almost a there's almost an excitement there that God's going to come and punish people, and it's going to be hard for everyone. But the church is going to escape it. And I, I would just say, you know, I we should have a, an eschatological, which is just the study of the end times. We should have some thoughtful viewpoints. Um, but again, what can we know? And we need to hold loosely what we don't know. And if anything, this teaches us to be gracious and winsome uh, mm-hmm. to people. If right. we really trust that Jesus is going to come back, that there is a final judgment, mm-hmm. and that there will be people who, in the end, do not want to be with God and reject Him. Um, if that does anything, hopefully it it keeps our heart open. I'm reminded yeah. of the passage um, that Jesus says, um, in, in the last days, because of the increase of evil, the love of most will grow cold. Mm-hmm. And if, if you take that to mean he's talking about when he came, uh, and until he mm-hmm. returns, not just now for us, um, the great temptation will be to close our hearts and to allow our love for him and for others to, to grow cold. Yeah. And there is a danger in the what ha- the view that was most popular in that dispensational, most popular in America, the left behind sort of view, which is pre-tribulation rapture, pre-millennial. So the next thing that happens is the rapture, and then the earth basically is destroyed. Uh, there's what can infect that is, well, then I don't care about the earth. I don't care about, mm-hmm. I don't care about these things that I should be, care- you know, justice and so on that, you know, God's going to sort it all out. Uh, and nowhere is that taught, of course, that we ought to be, you know, we should care about uh, justice and mercy and stewardship of our mission and of creation and of all, you know, our society, the city, uh, you know, to be the benef- be for the benefit of the city. All of that teaching is still there, and yet there can be a sense of this is all disposable, um, and that I do think there's a danger to that, and I and I do think there is a uh, incentive, in a sense, to, it relieves me of some responsibility. And that, that's why yeah, I think... because it's, it's an escape. Yeah, it's an escape. It's sort of an, it can be sort of an escapist view. It doesn't mean everyone who holds that view is, they right. might legitimately hold that view and still be, you know, uh, on mission and so on. So I don't want to indict everyone, but I do think there is a, maybe a reason why it became somewhat popular. Um, and one of the reasons I think... I don't, I'm not a pre, I'm not a pre-tribulation rapture person. I'm not sure what I am. Uh, but why tell us 
all of this stuff that's going to happen if we're not going to be here for any of it. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, you know, why do we know anything about the, the end? And we know, we don't know lots of things. You know, he doesn't tell us all sorts of things that we don't need to know to carry out the mission. You know, why does he tell us this? I mean, there, it doesn't, it's not proof of anything, but, you know, I tend to believe that this idea that, hey, we're special, uh, so God won't let anything bad happen to us is obviously not true uh, throughout the history of the yeah. church. Yeah. Um, and so I don't know. I mean, I tend to think we'll, the church will be around for at least part of this, and uh, we ought to be, you know, we ought to be prepared to suffer. We ought to be prepared to suffer now uh, and, and before then. So, um, wh- yeah. So one of my... Um, one of, let me read this. Uh, the command in this passage that we just read was, uh, be ready, right? Therefore, you must be ready. Some Son of Man is coming in an hour. Uh, you do not expect. So continuing, uh, verse 45 of Matthew 24, Who then is the faithful and wise servant whom his master has set over his household to give him their food at the proper time? Blessed is that servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. Truly, I say to you, he will set him over all his possessions. But if that wicked servant says to himself, my master is delayed and begins to beat his fellow servants and eats and drinks with drunkards, the master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him and at an hour he does not know and will cut him in pieces and put him with the hypocrites. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So it's sort of driving home, emphasizing uh, I mean, this is a lot of teaching on that one subject of you have a job to do now. The this period of time will end either with your death or with the master returning. And there will be an evaluation. There will be a inventory. There'll be a how faithful were you in carrying this forward? That's going to happen. And so live now with that in mind, you know, be the faithful servant. Um, And I think to me, it's not even close. This is the emphasis of Jesus over and over again when he talks about the end times, right? And yet, I don't know that this is a a favorite. (laughs) I don't know if this is a favorite passage. that's That's what I mean. Well, none of these really are because they lay hold of us for responsibility it's not that exciting you know it's not mentally tantalizing you know yeah right. um and i think if i can sit in a group and we can discuss who the beast is and the seven-headed right. dragon and right. all these other when when's god gonna right. judge that's the horror is, of babylon i mean there's a lot of horror. juicy things to talk about <laughs> Who's the whore of Babylon? For crying out loud. It's in the Bible, folks. It's in the Bible. <laughs> it's in the Bible. Exactly. That's 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 gonna be my next topic for study. Right. Who's the whore of Babylon? Seven week series on the whore of Babylon. <laughs> but but it's but it's it's true. It's like, wow, it's so rich and deep and complex and, and symbolic and what do we do with it? And that's that's fine, but I think it's easily displaces well I would rather sit and talk about it than be right. up to something that I'm right. supposed to be doing. Right, right. And I think that so, you know, just to 
to maybe try to put a bow on this, I think this dovetails with this biblical notion of stewardship, that we are stewards of, you know, the master has left us with stuff to manage, to do, to take care of. Uh, and, you know, my, my, my little metaphor, I don't know if I invented this or not, but I've been using it for a long time. My it's little like, metaphor. My little metaphor. Uh, <laughs> coming on the CW11. <laughs> um anyway uh is like we're we're the qt night manager um come on we're in charge of the store in a sense in which we could eat candy bars nobody would say anything you know we could take a 20 out of the till you know we could lock the doors turn off the pumps and take a nap you know that yeah like in a sense we're in charge for a period of time but the manager you know the owner Mr. QT himself, um, there will be an accounting. There'll be a reckoning. There will be like, I can't do that because I know that that won't fly. And in a sense, we're in, like, we have a job to do. We have a, we have, uh, they're not my hot dogs. It's not my, you know, plastic yellow cheese, pretend cheese sauce. None of that's mine. Um, you mean uh, queso? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Whatever that's, yeah, queso. In quotes, air quotes, queso. Um, and, but I do think we can sort of treat our lives, I'll make our lives, it's a metaphor for our lives, are that. And we can treat them as, it's my queso. They're my candy bars. I can lock the door and take a nap if I want to. Uh, and, you know, this is what Jesus is saying. We are stewards over somebody else's house. We don't own our lives. We don't own our families. We don't own these things. We're stewards over them. Uh, we don't own our money, all of that stuff. And will we be faithful stewards of God's mission, of God's people, of God's materials, of time? Uh, because there will be a reckoning. There will be an accounting. Uh, and not in a pharisaical way. Uh, obviously, there will be grace. You know, you can't lose, I don't think, your place in heaven by being, you know, a, a relatively ineffective steward. Um, but those stakes are not zero. You know, whatever that means, I don't know. But, um, you know, there is a, tr a sense that true followers of him will have a sense of the stewardship and will their stewardship in some sense will be evident in their life. And I think that's the serious teaching of Jesus with regard to the, his return in the end times, right? Be about his business, um, which is worship, transformation, community, impact, love, you know, humility, justice, mercy, those things. Um, and I think that's, as we think about the end times, if we think about those things, I think we'll be thinking about them in a way that Christ is teaching here. Um, so we'll leave it there. Um, and, uh, you know, as we think about, at the, as the book of Revelation ends, it ends with Maranatha, you know, come quickly, Lord Jesus. We look forward to all of this because it, it's, we're not afraid of the master returning we look forward with joy to the master returning because he can he can promise that we will have joy so with that grace and peace thanks for listening to rogue table talks a calvary church media productions podcast be sure to subscribe and leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts